Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast, sharing a rundown of tips and strategies to live healthier and happier in a fun way. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Today, I'm talking to registered dietitian and author of the book, Eat to Sleep, Carmen Meyer. She's sharing tips on the best foods to eat and what to avoid. Plus, I confess an addiction I have that impacts my sleep. And we talk about a superfood that's considered really great for runners and is also helpful for better quality sleep. And if you're already sleeping like a sloth, I have a big announcement that's not just a random life update about me, it is for you. So stick around for that. In case you're new here, I'm Monica, creator of the site runeatrepeat.com. I started running after high school to lose weight and slowly fell in love with it. Since then, I've run over 30 marathons, 50 half marathons, and lost over 20 pounds. Follow me on Instagram at runnyrepeat for all my latest running and eating adventures. Now, let's get to the warm-up. For today's warm-up, I have three very important announcements slash updates. First of all, if you follow me on Instagram, again, at runnyrepeat, I'm not really selling it even though I keep, I'm asking you to follow me, because I went off the grid, if you will, for a couple of weeks. I think two weeks. It might be going on three now. I took Instagram off of my phone. It's really the main social media that I use because I just needed a break. I needed a breath. It's hard because I love it. I love you guys, I love Instagram. I love following along with people. I feel like I know you too. And so I definitely missed everyone. But I feel like I was just starting to get very, it was just dominating my life, basically. Let me say this. Let me say that I realized that it was really taking hours away from every day. And I have this huge project that I'm working on that is going to be an announcement in this warm up. And I wasn't really attacking it. And I want to because I'm really excited about it. So I just thought all of these hours are not helpful for me and they're not helpful for you. It's definitely fun. And again, I missed it, but it wasn't what I think my main focus should be. So I took it off my phone so I wouldn't even be tempted. And I didn't really make an announcement or anything just because it was at first over the 4th of July holiday. So I figured a ton of people were going to be busy and distracted anyways. And yeah, I just didn't think it was a big deal. I don't think it... I kind of don't think it's a big deal, but I did get a lot of messages. And even because I didn't have Instagram on my phone, I got emails and comments on the blog asking just to check in and make sure everything was okay. Especially because there was, if um, there was an earthquake around the 4th of July holiday, and then another one a couple of days later, which I'll mention in part two of this warm up. since I'm doing three, this is still number one. And so people were like, is everything okay? They were curious if the earthquake had anything to do with it. But I'm back and I'm excited and I feel very refreshed. It was kind of like I just took a staycation. 
but I didn't stop working. I was working on the challenge and I was working on the podcast and I'm working on all of these other projects that I have, but I just was not updating on Instagram. And it really, it's eye-opening because it made me realize how much time I was devoting to that and not to getting out more helpful content. I've said several times in the past, I am not very type A and I'm like, "Eh, yeah, good enough. Like that is kind of this joke about how I live my life. But at the same time, I really love running. I really love podcasting. I love blogging. I love answering questions and interacting with you on Instagram and Facebook. I feel like you are my friend. I say it with a question mark and I hope that you're nodding like, yeah, Monica, we're friends. Thumbs up. But I haven't really been super productive in just getting you all of the helpful tips and info and just training plans, everything that is in my head movies, I want to make happen. And I'm super fired up. I don't know what happened, but I feel like it was maybe July 1st. I just thought the second half of this year, I want to rock the hell out of it. And I want to be very helpful. And that's why I created a challenge. Let me just jump to the part three of this one, two, three warm up and say that I have a challenge coming up. I'll get into the details about that in a second, but just want to confirm that I am alive. This is my proof of life video, audio. There's no video right now, but just picture me in your head movies and I'm alive and well, and I'm back. I wanted to say a bad word after that. Back on Instagram at Runny Repeat. And we have a Runny Repeat podcast Facebook page, which I am going to reorganize my schedule so that I'm making sure to touch base in each of those places Monday through Friday so that if you have any questions, I can answer them there and we can move forward like that. But thank you for all of the love and comments and likes and support because I genuinely appreciate it probably to an unhealthy level, which is why I needed to take a step back. (laughs) Again, I joke that I have no friends in real life. So it's really important to me that we have these interactions and I'm excited. I'm excited to be back and refreshed. Part two of the warm up. Next move, if you are actually warming up, wouldn't that be fun? Um, so part two, yeah, in the two weeks, three weeks since we have hung out, so much has happened. I have a blog post up with kind of the best and the not so best highlights of that. But yeah, I felt the earthquake, the second earthquake. The second one was bigger than the first one. I didn't feel the first one, but I was actually at Target and I overheard in the next aisle over two of the Target employees saying, did you just feel that? I think there was just an earthquake. Look at how the sign is moving. They're just talking about this, but I didn't feel it. And the, the main like epicenter of the earthquake was far away from me, which is why we didn't feel it. Like it just, it lessens as it gets far away. Again, I am in Southern California. I'm in Orange County. I was in 
a target in Orange County during the first earthquake that was like, I think a six point something. The second one, I'm putting dishes away at my house. And I I was actually on the phone with Ben, my ex, putting dishes away. Just, I don't even know what we were talking about. And suddenly I say, okay, wait, I think there's an earthquake. Cause he was talking, I'm like, I need, I need to make sure. I didn't know if I had low blood sugar and I was getting dizzy. I was like, oh yeah, no, that's an earthquake. I have this, what I really love. It's like a wine holder that holds also the wine glasses upside down. They were knocking into each other. Just like things were obviously also shaking. It was very obvious. The sound of that, I feel like the sound of an earthquake. I was born and raised in Southern California. I've been through a handful of earthquakes And I feel like the sound of them is what is almost scarier because it's odd to hear the sounds of your house moving. It's not things you hear all the time. And then also you never know how much worse it's going to get. You kind of like freeze for a second thinking, is this just going to be, and this is, it must be kind of odd for someone that's not grown up with earthquakes because I really didn't go try to get to a safe place with the earthquake. I just kind of froze there and was like, okay, let me assess how much worse this is going to get. Like I had any idea, right? When you start feeling it, you should just go to a safe place. But I did not. Anyways. So yeah, I have some updates like that up on runningrepeat.com right now. I'll put a link in the show notes to that of the earthquake fun. Also, Diego had to go to urgent care. I went to a wedding. I drank a lot at that wedding. It was a good times. It was good times. What have you been up to? Tell me. Tell me what was like the best part of July so far. What's the best thing you did? What's the best run you had? What's the best thing you ate? Tell me the best thing since we have a lot to catch up on. Let's just keep it to the best thing. I think that's a good idea. Tag me on Instagram at running repeat in your story, and then I'll do one too. And I'll think of a best thing. That's not the earthquake, obviously. I don't know. And part three of the warm up, my big announcement. So I have a run faster five-day challenge that is starting soon. If you want to run faster, I'm inviting you to join me and runners of all levels from all around the world to learn some of my best tips and strategies. Even if you're a new runner, even if you crashed and burned at your last race, this challenge can help you get back on track, crush your goals this year. I'm super fired up. Like I said, I don't, I just realized I didn't really get fired up. And I normally do after new year's this year, but I am now. I just think I am really excited. I have been putting together tons of information and I want to share it. And I think that I keep hearing people ask questions about getting faster, running a better race, running a stronger race next time. And you can do it. You can do it. And I just finally was like, okay, let's do it. Like, if you don't believe you can do it, 
I believe you can. I will believe in you enough for the both of us. And let's do this challenge. Let me help you get started. So I will put a link in the show notes. It is at runningrepeat.com slash runfaster five-day challenge. You can sign up now. I'm going to be doing live videos the week of July 29th through August 2nd every day on Facebook where I'll go over everything that is the topic for that day. And then we can do a Q&A and yeah, move forward faster. Let's do this. So I'm really excited. Like I said, there will be a link in the show notes to the Run Faster 5-Day Challenge. I'll also post it on my Instagram stories. You can swipe up and sign up, but please share it with anyone that you think it would be helpful for. Yeah, if you have some running buddies, I think that's always helpful too. I'm excited about doing it like a virtual running club vibe so that we can encourage each other. But if you have people that you know that you run with, I mean, the more the merrier. I think it's going to be really awesome. And I think if you want to knock it out of the park this year, if you want to really just crush your next goal or your next race, this is the way to get started. So that is runningrepeat.com slash runfaster five day challenge. And now let's get to the interview. Today I'm talking to Carmen Meyer, registered dietitian and author of the book, Eat to Sleep, what to eat and when to eat it for a good night's sleep every night. Hi, Carmen. Welcome to the Running Repeat podcast. Hi, so happy to be on today. I know. I'm really excited. I have a copy of the book and I have been going through it. I'm actually pretty obsessed with the importance of sleep already. And I think it's just a hot topic right now in general. And so much for runners, we worry about sleep, we worry about rest, we never sleep well the night before a race. It's one of the common questions that I get. They're like, I can't sleep before a race. It's just part of the deal. So ideally, we should be getting sleep the rest of the time, really quality sleep. So I'm excited to kind of jump into it. Was there any particular reason why you decided to write this book? Do you feel like a lot of people were coming to you with issues on this? Well, I will first say that I'm one who has never sacrificed sleep. Like in college, I I could not pull all-nighters because I would have been way worse off. So for me, sleep has always been non-negotiable. And I I know that a lot of times that's that's not the case for some people or, you know, there's too much on your plate or like you said, you know, a big event happening and maybe you have a little anxious the night before, but it is so important that we make time for sleep and good quality. And starting my career as a dietitian working in long-term care, so a skilled nursing facility with the elderly population. And of course, there's a lot of sleeping issues in the elderly population. And I think that's when I first started to recognize, you know, sleep as something that can really help people to just feel better and perform better during the day. You know, they in that specific population, they can eat better, socialize better. And so just all around sleep is great for good health, of course, but it's hard as we age. And then as I moved into a different career and started working in more behavioral health and at a psychiatric hospital where I was doing group counseling with people who were suffering from anxiety and depression, you know, we talked a lot about sleep and how to improve diet and food choices 
to help improve sleep and also reduce stress and inflammation because we, we know that there are certain foods that can help decrease inflammation in the body and also stress. So all of this, you know, just slowly kind of over time building upon one another, I really became fascinated in, in the topic and wrote an article about it for uh, Food and Nutrition Magazine. And then several years later, approached with this topic for the book. And here we are. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting that you mentioned to sleep and stress in relation to people struggling with anxiety or other mental health issues. I actually have a friend that works with people struggling with different mental illness. And he always says, sleep, stress, schedule, like you need to make sure that those are kind of in a good place before, you know, in addition to everything else, because they can be a trigger to really take you to a bad place fast. Right. They're definitely all interconnected. And, you know, if exercise or uh, diet starts to kind of fall off and, you know, suffer, then sleep is sure to follow. And, you know, when we're not sleeping well, we're also probably not going to make great food choices and we're not going to exercise as we should. And so, you know, it's hard to break that negative cycle. But if you can start with one of those elements and make small improvements, then the others will follow along as well. Yeah. And I've heard about this so much in the past too, you know, not getting enough sleep, you tend to be, you know, they do studies and their people more tend to be overweight or kind of go for sugary, caffeine, carbohydrates, things like that when you're sleepy. Mm-hmm. How does sleep kind of affect our food choices in our health? Well, so when we are sleep deprived, tend to just crave more of the carbohydrate rich foods. And while carbohydrates are very important. We need carbohydrates. I think most people know that we have some better choices when it comes to carbohydrates, things like whole grain foods, oatmeal, whole grain bread, um, our whole wheat pastas, quinoa. Um, So those are our our good carbohydrates. And then those that come from fruits as well and some of our vegetables, also dairy foods. But then we have our more refined carbohydrates and that's things that we know just like table sugar, and things we find in high sweet foods, that's when we're not getting enough sleep, we start to crave those really simple sugars so that we can kind of get an energy spike from that and kind of just get to the next moment, essentially, you know. So we tend to crave the foods that are not so great for us when we are sleep deprived. And there's been several studies on this, you know, where they've deprived people of a few hours of sleep each night and then monitored what foods they just reach for naturally. And it's always the um, higher sugar and also usually higher fat foods, just really calorie dense, but not nutrient dense. I really like to, I feel like there are people that sometimes say they can get by and I'm doing air quotes here with, you know, less sleep, right? And it's almost like sometimes this badge of honor of being like, yeah, I don't, I don't need that much sleep or I'm, I'm powering through without it. I found it interesting in the book, you kind of reference different situations and studies where it does have these kind of serious health impacts potentially in terms of making you more prone, like you mentioned, you know, compromising immune system or just, Mm -hmm. I think there was a reference to Alzheimer's in the book, which I've heard in the past too. 
if you can get by with less sleep, is it still important to prioritize sleep and, and try not to and, and kind of get more? How do you know exactly where you should, I guess, how much sleep you should be getting? How does someone kind of figure out what is ideal for them? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the human body is very amazing in that it can uh, do with less for quite some time or it can handle some curveballs that we throw it. But over time, that does take out a toll on our body. And so while, you know, in the short term, you may feel like, yeah, I can get by with five hours of sleep every night and I function well during the day. You know, I get through the work day just fine. I go work out and socialize. But over time, you can't really say how that's going to maybe impact your immune system and mental health and Alzheimer's. And, you know, so cardiovascular disease as well. There's so many other things that are impacted by less than ideal sleep than just your day-to-day energy level. So it might work in the short term, but as I said, long term, there can be some negative consequences. And ideally, we should aim for about seven to eight hours of sleep every night. And what's most important is having a good routine. So I'm very much a morning person. I'm considered a lark while other people may be more night owls. And that's really more of a genetic determination, you know, if you're more of a morning person or an evening person. And we don't necessarily want to shift that too much. You know, if you do find that you don't get tired until closer to midnight, that's okay. That may not always work well with work schedules, but, you know, I think sometimes people are forcing themselves to try to go to bed too early. And that's when we see they're having trouble falling asleep because that's just not in line with their natural circadian rhythm. So all that to say, if you stick to a routine that really works for you and it fits in that seven to eight hours of sleep each night, that's really what's more important rather than like I said, trying to fit into a morning person's type sleep schedule. Yeah, I like that because I think a lot of people too want to know when is the best time to work out. And it's ultimately, I think, when you're going to, you know, so it's like, it doesn't matter if, if morning is better, if lunchtime is better, if afternoon is better, it's like, are you going to do it then? Like, it's best if when you're going to actually do it. Exactly, right. We're, we're all very different. And, um, I operate on a very different routine than, you know, the next person. So that's, that's what it all comes down to. When it's exercise, diet, sleep, we have to find kind of that best fit for us. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts on using sleep monitors, apps, anything like that? I personally do not use one. And, you know, I've, I've heard some back and forth on this. You know, I I think that there can be... Um, maybe some stress and anxiety that is created from watching or monitoring those types of apps too closely. And we don't really know how accurate they are. I know that probably different companies have studies on their own products, but as far as independent research goes, you know, I I don't think the devices are quite there yet to be 100% accurate. You know, so if it's telling you that you're not sleeping well um, and you're not reaching all five stages of sleep, 
but really you are, and it's just not you know, catching that, then that might create some anxiety within you and might actually lead to sleep disturbances. <laughs> so, you know, I, I have a hard time sometimes with some of this technology and monitoring our just natural rhythms and things that our, our body can do. And, you know, speaking of technology, that's just one of the things that can interfere with getting a good night of sleep. We know that the light from a lot of our devices interferes with melatonin production. So if we're on our computer or our phones too late into the evening, um, that natural melatonin release from the brain may not occur and can prevent us from winding down naturally and preparing for sleep. Mm -hmm. And actually, for those that don't know, I have already admitted to you the last time we talked that I take melatonin and I, I think Probably in excess, <laughs> but for those that aren't familiar, can you tell us what melatonin is? Yes. So melatonin is something that occurs naturally within us. It's a hormone that regulates our wake-wake cycles. And when the sun sets, the night begins to settle in, our eyes perceive the darkness and begin releasing melatonin. So that's how we know it's time to prepare for sleep. But then when the sun comes up in the morning, there's just more light melatonin production then decreases. And we know that it's time to start waking up and begin the day. So that's just our body's internal clock, essentially regulating our, our sleep-wake cycles. And we can also get melatonin from some foods. And there's a few that I talk about in the book, including tart cherries and almonds. So while you can take a melatonin supplement, you can also find some from food. And there are times where a supplement might be necessary, especially if you travel a lot to different time zones and your sleep cycle might be off a little bit. I know that some people use that pretty routinely when they travel and it works well. There have been some negative side effects for some people when they've used it long term, but Again, it's a very individualized thing. I think we just have to be careful whenever we're trying to replace something that occurs naturally in the body. We don't want to become dependent on an external source for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's uh, what I have heard is the bad thing about taking it a lot is that your body can stop potentially producing it on its own if you are basically taking it. And I take in, in my defense, mom. Um, if you're listening, <laughs> but, um, I, I take half a milligram. Like I take like this, like little tiny one from Trader Joe's, but I, so I don't know if it's almost like a addiction or placebo effect at this point, which is something I need to do some, you know, my own kind of testing on, but I love that it's in foods and I have heard there's a ton of benefits as well for, um, tart cherry juice in terms of mm -hmm. inflammation for runners. Like I've heard awesome things about it. So I'm like, Oh, perfect. This is like two birds with one stone kind of thing in right. terms of options, different options for that. Yeah. And I talked about tart cherry juice a lot, you know, with this book specifically and people often think when they hear tart, it's going to be, you know, really sour to drink, but really it's, it's not hard to drink. It's not like 100% cranberry juice where it's very bitter. Um, it, 
pretty easy to to drink. And, you know, you could add it to smoothies, maybe a post-run smoothie or something. Right. Yeah. I love that. In terms of timing, what are your thoughts on caffeine? Is there a certain time of day that people should stop drinking it? It, Could it really interfere with sleep? How does that work? Yeah, it can definitely interfere with sleep. And, um, you know, caffeine is in sodas and of course, we know coffee, but uh, Red Bulls and all these energy drinks that are available now and also in even green tea. While green tea may have less caffeine than like black tea or coffee, um, it's still there. So you have to be mindful of that. I'm very caffeine sensitive. So for me, I make sure I don't have coffee after one or two o'clock. And then even things like green tea, or matcha, because I do love matcha, I have to make sure I don't drink that after two or three in the afternoon, because it will keep me up all night. Mm-hmm. So switching to non-caffeinated beverages in the afternoon, and then if you're, if you are caffeine sensitive, then also considering what um, caffeine is in your chocolate. So if you're a dark chocolate fan, like I am, uh, that's going to have caffeine as well. And it may not be the best option for a bedtime snack. Yes, this really was like, it, sh- it should have been so obvious. Like I should know this. I know this, but I was actually <laughs> a selective memory or something because I am very big <laughs> on dark chocolate. And it is something mm-hmm. that I do is like this nightly tradition where I have some dark chocolate every night, basically. It might not be an issue really. Like I might not be that caffeine sensitive, really. I try to avoid caffeine though, with everything else in terms of, like you said, like tea, I will never, I'm a big iced coffee person. I would not have an iced coffee after 3 PM, like 3 PM is my cutoff. And so I'm like, try to be really diligent about it in every other way. And then with that, I was like, how have I just conveniently forgotten to acknowledge that? I just was like, yeah, that is a very good reminder for people. Cause it is, if that's part of your kind of dessert or if, and you're noticing, obviously, you know, it doesn't affect everyone, but if you are having trouble, then it's something to explore. Well, and the other thing to consider with that is I think people like to compare their dark chocolate with some red wine in the evening. And we also know that alcohol interferes with reaching those deep stages of sleep that, you know, we have to get to every night, you know, stages one through five, we cycle through them throughout the night, but we're not reaching stages four and five of sleep where the memory consolidation happens, um, then we're not really getting that true restorative sleep. So if you're doing the dark chocolate, red wine pairing in the evening time and having trouble sleeping, you might have to reconsider that. And it hurts me to say that I don't like to be the bearer of bad news, <laughs> but um, you know, when it comes to sleep, I, I think it's worth it to give it up. Yeah, for sure. And I, and it, it's important. Well, it's important to remember too, this doesn't mean you can't have it some other time. It's not like it is like you shouldn't have this and every body is different. So this might not apply to you as much, or it might depend on your schedule. I like that you have like a food and sleep blog to kind of 
track if you if and obviously it's like if you're having issues with this you want to figure out what it is you know and, and then you can kind of assess how you want to deal with it but yeah it's important to kind of track that if you are if it's a struggle for you if this is something that you're trying to better yourself on yeah and, and that is one thing that i i did have to do when occasionally i would have a night where i was tossing and turning you know i fell asleep fine but then i wake up in the middle of the night and I started connecting dots and it was red wine for me. So everyone's different. We all kind of have our trigger foods, I suppose you can call them. And it's important to make those connections. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned too, the benefits of CBD products. Yeah, I touched on that just a little bit in the book because it is something that we're just seeing everywhere now. And, you know, we don't have any real research to rely on here in the U.S., but there are are some studies from overseas that we can look at, and it has been used for centuries as a sleep aid and also to relieve anxiety and even nausea. So it has a lot of different uh, potential uses. Again, it's um, one of those things that may impact people differently um, and have different positive effects on them. So unlike THC, which is found in marijuana, CBD doesn't provide that high, so it just has the calming effects. And yeah, it can also be very beneficial for people with insomnia. So I think there's um, a lot of great potential with this. It's just not regulated here in the States yet. So you have to be careful about where you're getting these products from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was gonna, I was going to ask you about that because I know it is. It's, it, and it's definitely we are, you know, getting more information and more companies kind of incorporating it into supplements or bars. I went to the natural products expo this year and I know it's like this big trend, you know, that's kind of growing, but you just want to make sure that you know where you're getting it from. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's really the tricky part. Yeah. Do you have like a top three, favorite foods or recipes that you kind of suggest someone start with because it's the book is packed with recipes and and food suggestions or do you have any that are kind of your favorites sure so i make my uh, cauliflower cranberry superfood salad often and it has a few of the sleep benefiting foods i talk about in the book in the recipe and that's cauliflower where it's high water content because it's hydration is really important for getting good night of sleep. The recipe also has pumpkin seeds and pumpkin seeds are one of the uh, best food sources for magnesium and magnesium is essential for getting a great night of sleep. It also can help reduce stress levels and inflammation. So pumpkin seeds are great. Other magnesium rich foods are your leafy green vegetables and avocado, other nuts and seeds. And then let's see, go. Oh, the other ingredient in the recipe that I talked about in the book is our chickpeas or garbanzo beans, whichever you decide to call them, but (laughs) they are rich in vitamin B6. And that vitamin is essential for um, helping create serotonin in the body. So serotonin is not something that we can actually get from food, but it's a neurotransmitter and it's kind of known as like the happy 
brain neurotransmitter. It consists the feeling of just good mood. So as I said, vitamin B6 helps with serotonin production. And then serotonin is eventually converted to melatonin. And we talked about melatonin before and how that regulates your sleep-wake cycle. So you kind of see how all of these things are connected to one another. And there's this kind of domino effect specifically with vitamin B6 consumption and intake and how that impacts the neurotransmitters and hormones that are related to sleep and also good mood. Um, you know, cause if we're not, if we don't have enough serotonin, that's linked to higher levels of depression. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that you say this and you tighten the chickpeas just like, and this is kind of like a, a slight little tangent, but a reminder of how important it is to listen to your body. I actually had some thyroid issues a while back and I'm still on something for it. It's just like, you know, this kind of lifelong, like low thyroid that I will have to deal with. But when I was first diagnosed, my doctor was like, said one of the symptoms of it is kind of depression. It's it's one of the Mm -hmm. first like telltale signs. And this is often what happens when you have the low thyroid that I have. And she was like, it's so good that you run, you know, that it's like, this has probably contributed to this almost being hidden for so long because, Mm -hmm. because you have that. And it's funny because chickpeas are my favorite. Like I'm like, like to a ridiculous level where I go to smart and final and I would buy like that massive can of them that is like for a cafeteria. Like, it's just like, (laughs) like it it was this funny funny thing that I'm just curious now in like kind of looking back on it now that I don't need as much, my thyroid is regulated. I'm like, I wonder if it's almost like you're listening to like my body was like, Hey, whatever's in that, like, give me more of that. It just was like, I need more of this stuff, you know, to, to get some serotonin going. It's just funny that I was like, and, and maybe not, it might not be related, but I am very big on intuitive eating and listening to your body. And you definitely have to do that when you're an endurance athlete. And it's so important for all of us to just know our bodies Mm -hmm know when your body is trying to give you a heads up about something. And it just that I didn't realize chickpeas. I used to like, I was going to turn into a chickpea, I thought with (laughs) it. So that's like a kind of little funny randomness, but um, so any other kind of like first foods that you suggest for people when they're kind of asking you like, what should I eat to, to sleep better or to help me sleep? briefly mentioned hydration and um, while most of your listeners might be really great at hydrating well because you do um, you know get out and run and I think hydration is more top of mind for most people I think we're not hydrating enough throughout the day and while that old adage of you know drink eight eight ounce glasses of water each day you know, that's only 64 ounces of water. And really, um, women need closer to about 90 fluid ounces a day. And men need closer to 125 fluid ounces. So, you know, if we're sticking with just eight, eight ounce glasses, we're not getting enough. And when we're dehydrated, that can really interfere with how we sleep at night. It increases the sleep disruptive snoring. 
because our mouth and nasal passages are drier. And then also muscle cramping that can cause you to jolt awake in the middle of the night from the electrolyte imbalances. So eating the hydrating foods, that's what I talk about a lot throughout the book. Um, you know, cucumber, celery, watermelon, even the cauliflower, just making sure that, you know, if you're not going to be drinking or consuming all your fluids through beverages, you can also get them in foods. And the other benefit is your, um, a lot of our water rich foods also contain potassium. And we know that's essential for electrolyte imbalance or electrolyte balance. Yes, that's so important. And I know a lot of people complain about having to get up and go pee in the middle of the night, but I would rather mm-hmm. pee than have a cramp or Charlie horse any oh, yeah. day of the week. Like that is so, it's so hard to calm down again then, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's hard to get your self back to sleep because that is so startling. So, yeah. Yeah. And if, you know, if you find that you're waking up a lot in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, just try to bump up your hydration earlier in the day. I always try to start with 12 ounces of water in the morning before I have coffee, because then I'm going to have to drink more water to kind of make up for that caffeinated beverage that I just had. But yeah, just move up your hydration with fluid to earlier in the day, front load that so you can make sure you're meeting your needs. And then, you know, if you have to cut off fluids, maybe an hour or two before bedtime, that's, that's okay. Yeah. And that's another thing that can be helpful with a log is figuring out, you know, when uh, kind of what your, what your last call is. And I'm also, this is kind of like a random tip that I discovered actually with my dog when he was a puppy. (laughs) Well, he's like eight months now, but it just reminded me, you know, how some moms do or parents do cluster feeding so that their kid, the baby doesn't wake up as much in the middle of the night kind of thing. I call it cluster peeing where I take him out and I'll like take him out one more time because I realized I was like, it's either this or he's going to wake me up in the middle of the night. And it's something that we can do, you know, like you go to the restroom, you brush your teeth, do your whatever other rituals go one more time. Like if this is like a reoccurring thing for you, you know, just like make sure it's like a little kid. Well, try again. I know you just went. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it's TMI, but I, I do that. I'm like, okay, we're getting into bed. Let's do this. Because I'm one of those people I really do not like to get out of bed in the middle of the night. So I try to avoid that if possible. But yeah, I've just accepted it's my fate. So I don't get like riled up when it happens. I think that's not helpful is I just try to stay half asleep and just, I'm like, yeah, of course, of course, this is just part of the deal. This is what happens when your favorite food is watermelon. It's such a great season for it. Now's the time. (laughs) So I'm obsessed. Do you use any tool, any aromatherapy sound app? Do you have any kind of favorite tool that you use for sleep? Yes, I do. So I, I live in the city and um, I have to drown out the noise somehow. So I use the white noise app and um, just listen to I think the brown noise setting like static really helps me to sleep more peacefully. And then sometimes I will use lavender essential oil. Like I'll just 
stabbed a little bit on my neck. And that's usually just when I notice that I'm feeling a little more alert as I'm getting into bed and just need something to kind of help relax me a little bit more. Sometimes I diffuse it as well. But yeah, I really like the lavender essential oil. Mm-hmm. And then my room has to be very dark. Um, I, I can't handle much light coming in from anywhere. Yeah, the, the white noise app has been big for me, even more so when I travel. It's always hard to sleep in a, a different place or an unfamiliar place. Yeah, yeah. And I um I always need a nightlight because inevitably I've got to, I don't want to stub my toe when I go to the restroom. And I ha I just got this, it's like a one of those salt rock lamps that has mm-hmm. that plays like white noise, it plays nature sounds. There are a lot of different options and you can put it on a timer. But I think that has been it's I'm obsessed with it. Like I'm going to have to, I haven't up until this point used an app that plays white noise or any sort of thing like that. But I've realized that it makes such a big difference because I'm a light sleeper. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been really helpful at least to like wind down and have it for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely studying uh, the right environment is, is very important. We were talking about the melatonin production, you know, in the evening time, making sure you don't have all your overhead lights on and TV blaring and your phone and your computer in front of you. If we want our body to do what it does naturally, we have to make sure we're providing it with the right environment and right cues. And from a nutrition standpoint, giving it all of the, the tools it needs, you know, all the vitamins and minerals and fiber and the water from these foods need those in our body so it can do the best job it possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that reminder mm-hmm. is just like set yourself up for success with whatever it is. And right. regarding this, obviously sleep and stuff. Yeah. Do you have any other tips? I feel like we really covered everything. Yeah, we covered quite a bit. There's certainly some other things in the book that talk about, you know, the importance of having carbohydrates and protein um, before going to bed or, you know, at least at your um, dinner time meal. And then if you feel like you're going to need a snack, you still want to have your protein and carbohydrate combination because that'll just help stabilize blood sugars and also keep you feeling full throughout the night. So you don't wake up mm-hmm. and want a snack again. So yeah. And then the food sleep log, as you did mention, I think that's just really key for people who are trying to figure out exactly what's causing their sleep disturbances, as long as it doesn't create more anxiety. And that, again, is the, where you have to listen to yourself and your, your body. You know, if journaling food intake or monitoring your sleep behaviors like that actually creates more anxiety, then don't do it. Um, but if it's helpful, then I think it can be a great resource. Yeah. And I, it's so important. And I think, uh, again, going back to kind of learning about intuitive eating has really taught me how important it is to take the emotion and the judgment out of what you are doing to learn from it, because it's hard to learn if you are also judging yourself. So just like 
kind of uh, being a neutral observer, acting like you are just studying this animal that is you. And like, why, what am I doing? What's going on? You know, be it with anything, be it with sleep, be it with, you know, if you're throwing in the towel when you're running or be it with any sort of like overeating or under eating habits, like just take the emotion out of it so that you can learn and, and actually help yourself. Right. Yes. Do you have a time that you, a certain amount of time, I guess, really, since we go to sleep at different times that we should stop eating before we go to bed? Is there a window? Cause you know, you've heard all these different things I've heard. It's like, stop eating three hours before you go to bed, which I don't think I've ever done once in my life, but I've heard. <laughs> is, is there, um, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I, I can't give a specific time frame because again, that's going to vary between people, but the more important thing is that you don't eat too much before laying down and going to bed. Um, cause you don't want too much on your stomach and, you know, if you're prone to acid reflux, you certainly don't want to have those symptoms going on when you're trying to sleep. So making sure you're not eating so much that you're just stuffed and then what you're choosing to eat. So rather than a bag of chips or maybe a candy bar, choosing something again with that combination of a, a protein type food and then a carbohydrate. So a banana with peanut butter or a small cup of yogurt with some granola or some fresh fruit on it, or whole wheat crackers and a couple of slices of cheese. Those are good pairs that you can have before bedtime where you won't feel so full. And it's also providing your body with um, good nutrients. And some of those nutrients can even help with the sleep process. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. So where can we get the book and how can we follow along? The book is available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and also um, parnassusbooks.com, which is a local bookstore. So always try to support your local bookstores as well. And then I am on Instagram, just at Carmen Meyer. My name is spelled a little uniquely, though. It's K-R-M-A-N-M-E-Y-E-R can find me there as well. Perfect. I will link to all of that in the show notes so people can grab the book and follow you. Your Instagram has a ton of good stuff too. So I've been checking that out. Thank you. I yeah, post a lot of food pictures there and a lot of the recipes I come up with. I love it. Thank you so much, Carmen. I'll put links in the show notes to Carmen's book, and her Instagram and Facebook page so that you can get more information and follow along there. Now let's get to the awards. In the spirit of today's topic, I'm going to tell you the things that I am obsessed with that help me sleep better. And I really think these are very, very helpful. So I swear by them. Number one is my salt rock lamp with sound. So I've had a salt rock lamp in the past, but I recently got one that has different levels of light. So it can give off a very soft glow, which like I mentioned, I think is important. I need to not stub my toe because I'm getting up several times, not really several times, but if I have to get up to go to the restroom or I just am a 
I don't know, have a nightmare. I'm scared of the dark, whatever. Don't judge. But this lamp also plays, I was going to say music. It does play music, but it plays white noise. It actually does a talk down where it does a breathing exercise to help you relax. It has nature sounds. You can change the levels of the music. There's a timer. I think that this was such a game changer, especially if you might have trouble falling asleep initially to be able to have some sound on, some white noise. Sometimes Diego is adjusting and trying to figure out where he's going to be comfy and to have just some sort of background situation, at least for a little bit as I wind down and get into a deep sleep, I think has been wildly helpful. And I have noticed a big difference. I I notice I have noticed, like I, <laughs> I'm repeating myself, but I'm because I'm like, I'm not just saying this as my spiel. I noticed a difference of how long I was staying asleep and how easy it was to fall asleep. Like it just has been very helpful. And if you are into any sort of sound machines or white noise or any app or something like that, this is something that I would highly recommend. And it's very pretty. It's very, it looks very peaceful and serene to have this light glow of the lamp. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Next is my weighted blanket. I got a weighted blanket from my brother for Christmas. It was something that I asked for. I was very specific. I really wanted one. They are kind of pricey, but the prices have gone down since they've become more popular. More people are making them, so competition is up. So I'll hook you up with the deal. I'll put a link to one in the show notes. But I think weighted blankets are awesome. And as a little hack, potentially, if you don't want to use it to actually sleep, But what I think it is also helpful for is if you don't think that you are tired, if it's hard for you to make yourself wind down or go to sleep, using one, if you watch TV at night or if you read at night, putting it on then, wherever you are hanging out, I think it's very like calming. It's almost like (laughs) I'm just kind of imagining like when I pet Diego and he's kind of falling asleep when you're like rubbing of someone's rubbing your back, there is this aspect to it that is very calming and just helps you wind down. So I think potentially using it where you're hanging out, if it is on your couch or something, if you're doing something else as it gets closer to bedtime, that that is an option if you don't want to sleep with it. It kind of depends on whether I don't sleep with it every night, but I have it handy just in case. I usually kind of prefer it as my wind down blanket, my wind down weighted blanket. There's a lot of W's there. But again, I think that there's something I'm a fan and they're small. So you kind of need your own and the difference of the weight on how much you get, um, how heavy the weight of blanket is depends on your own weight. So make sure that you are kind of getting it applicable to your body and your weight. But I'm a fan of that as well. Finally, my under knee pillow that looks like a big wedge. It's really big. I actually think I got it from Costco. 
now that I'm thinking about it, but it is really big. But I am a back sleeper and I think that this is the most comfy way to sleep. And I swear by it. If you're a back sleeper, this might be helpful. I think some people use it to kind of prop up to read or other things. My friend saw it and said that it might be used for extracurricular activities, if you will, but it is not. And I'm a fan of that as well. So I'll put a link to all of that in the show notes. And I hope that you get the best freaking sleep of your life tonight or whenever you gather all these goods. And I hope this episode was super helpful and fun. Remember to tag at Runny Repeat on Instagram and let me know what you're doing right now while you're listening or what was the best part of your month so far. We need to catch up. The Run Faster Challenge starts July 29th and you can sign up now at runnyrepeat.com slash runfaster five-day challenge. I hope you'll join us. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great one. Thank you for listening. For show notes, recipes, discounts, and more, go to www.runeatrepeat.com. You can also connect with Monica on Instagram by following at runeatrepeat and on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash runeatrepeat. Be sure to subscribe to the show and please rate and review in your podcast app.